0: Hi, this is Simon Jowett, writer of James Bond comic books for Dark Horse, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Two
1: hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars.
2: I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other two?
3: Something we're making
4: for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster.
3: May I cut in? That's the cello.
1: Cello.
3: cello.
5: Play it again, Sam.
2: It's a charming tune.
0: Everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of bond music six of the best our ongoing series discussing the bond movie soundtracks i am one of your hosts jared Albrick, the yard sale artist some know me as death probe and of course i'm going to introduce not only my co-host but
5: my best friend in the world mr alan j porter welcome back alan thank you jared i think we're going to stretch the definition of the word best with this one i think uh,
0: (laughs) six of the best question mark Mark, yeah (laughs) i think it's going to be a fun discussion so certainly certainly yeah it'll be an adventure and for those of you who are new to our show i want to say welcome our format is basically this we're going to discuss the movie theme tune and we're going to discuss the overall soundtrack and the way it works is one of us has the lead on each episode. This one, Alan, has the lead on it. So not only does he get to pick the first three tracks from this bountiful <laughs> track CD, but then I will come in and pick the three additional tracks. And then at the end, Alan will have selected a bonus track for us. So you will get actually a total of eight tracks. Because so we're going to give you the title song. We're going to give you six tracks from the score overall and then the bonus track so there's lots of fun to be there might even be bonus bonus
5: tracks for all we know well let's find out (laughs) yeah let's find out it's going to be an adventure but uh, don't hold us to that eight thing okay so so, you know the numbers here are very fluid
0: (laughs) all right well this month we're doing it for england james and alan can save me a pint while we visit the music of goldeneye thank you jared so i've got like six minutes yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well three minutes <laughs> it's
5: so hard to tell it is isn't it before we kick off i will say as we always do we're always indebted to john Burlingame's excellent book the music of bond as a primary resource so we use it here for a lot of our research and facts and then sort of do some additional digging around it but it is always our go-to for this whole series so once again thank you john for a excellent tome and if you do not have it on your bond bookshelf go out and get it because it is excellent All right. So where are we? Goldeneye. So Goldeneye, of course, is to some extent the movie that saved the franchise coming on the end of a six year hiatus due to MGM and United Artists legal issues, which pretty much put the series on hold for six long years. Didn't six years seem a long time back then? Between both. Yes. Now it's like normal. Um, Okay, I (laughs) won't go down that road. So GoldenEye, as we said, was a, really a new beginning for Bond in so many ways. We had a new Bond actor with Pierce Brosnan, a new M, who we hear was a lady now, the excellent Judi Dench, new producers with Michael Wilson and Barbara Broccoli taking over from Cubby Broccoli, new director in Martin Campbell, new screenwriters, and a new main title designer in Daniel Kleiman. So really, it seemed obvious that they really needed a new sound for Bond. So of course, what did they do? They went and talked to John Barry. <laughs> clearly clearly who actually declared himself unavailable due to work commitments and more importantly his arrival of a new baby bouncing son who he wanted to spend time with so don't blame him he passed so they started looking around and at that time there was a french composer called eric Serra, who was really the hot property and at first choice he seemed like a good choice he just scored two very successful spy thrillers la femme nikita which i will say is actually one of my all-time favorite spy movies And a good TV show, and they just keep rechurning them with different titles. But every trained female assassin show you ever watch basically is a rework of La Femme Nikita. And he'd also done The Professional. Both were directed by Eric Serra's best friend, Luc Besson. Eric Serra was really deemed to be the cutting edge of what was happening with film music at the time. In fact, the Bond team had even used his theme and his score from The Professional as a temporary track when they were putting together The Rough Cut of GoldenEye. So it seemed like a perfectly natural fit. The thing was, when he was first approached, Eric Serra actually didn't want to do it. He was too busy working on his own solo album and didn't want to get involved with doing another movie project. But basically, the president of his record company changed his mind. I'm sure he did. I'm sure the word dollars came into that conversation at some point. But this is where the fun started, because Serra explained that he'd been told that the Bond team were, and I'm quoting here, big fans of my music. So I thought the best thing was to write my music and not be influenced by the old james bond just do it the way i wanted Eh, mistake number one (laughs) let's see how that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and his music was heavily reliant on things like sampling synthesizers non-traditional instruments he saw it as an art form not as a commercial proposition and he'd been working on art films as we said directed by his best friend he was used to getting his own way he'd never really had to work on a major franchise with multiple decision makers and many hands in the pot and people telling him what they liked and didn't like and basically he ignored all the feedback that he got and just went off and did his own thing anyway so he estimated that he worked around six or seven weeks according to the Burlingame's games book that he worked six or seven weeks on the score in his studio in paris which he then sent to london for orchestrator and arranger john altman to translate what parts could be played by real musicians in inverted commas and the traditional parts were recorded over four days at the angel studios in london with altman leading a 60-piece orchestra so far so good Then they they started to hear it, and the sound of Sarah's score, with hardly any callback to the traditional Bond themes, really didn't sit well with the filmmakers and really reached a crisis point over one particular section, which we will talk about later. But to offset some of the concerns about the soundtrack, which were, and again I'm quoting here, included strange noises, metallic industrial sounds, insistent drum beats, funky guitar synth, and more stuff, end quote. The file mix for the movie was actually dubbed with low sound levels, so that you couldn't hear a lot of Sarah's idiosyncratic elements. And in some places, they took them out altogether. And the first time Eric Sarah actually heard the final score was actually at the New York premiere of the movie, and he was less than pleased. He called it one of the worst moments of his life. So again, it's all going good so far. Now, I'm going to actually sidetrack it. I will say, having read this backstory about them taking down his music and eliminating bits of it, I can sort of see why he was upset This is the first time I've actually done the research and then gone, I'm going to go back and watch the movie before we do the show and listen to the score with the movie. And he's right. The music on the CD, the music you hear of his in the movie is very different. Yep. I noticed that too. So I will say, I still don't particularly like it. It's not my sort of thing. But I have a better appreciation of what Eric Serra was trying to do. And actually, Mm -hmm. when I think about his other movies that he's done with Luc Besson that I really like... Mm -hmm. things like The Fifth Element and so forth, which I think has a fantastic score. Absolutely, I I own it. Yeah, I can see where he was going and I can see what he was trying to do. I still don't think it was suitable for Bond and it didn't really fit with the action of the movie. I think we'll talk a bit more about that. But again, I can see what he was doing. And he actually said, uh, there's a great quote at the end of the section on GoldenEye in John Burlingame's book where Sarah was interviewed, I think it was like 15 or 16 years later. And he said, now I would have composed something different to avoid the problems. I would have been a lot more professional and a lot less artistic. So I think he learned his lesson, but we're stuck with (laughs) the results of listening to him learn his lesson. Plus the fact of what they did to it to try and actually put it together. So there's a little background on the theme, a bit of why it is the way it is. What do you think, Jared? I think you
0: did a great job. My first thought listening to you tell the tale of the downfall (laughs) of the (laughs) GoldenEye soundtrack is that you remember that show that Peter... Graves used to host Biography, where he would like tell the tale of how people made it to success. I want an entire series of Alan J. Porter hosts <laughs> 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 where people just crash and burn. <laughs> you tell it so well, but no, I'm being extreme because I discovered what you discovered when I went back to it. This isn't—I call it an easy target for bond yeah, Is it, 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 this an easy target for us all? Point our fingers at, say,
5: "Oh, it's the worst score ever."
0: Uh, right, but there's,
5: it, but there's reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's reasons. I'll be honest with you going back and listening to it several times as I prepared for our podcast this month, like I always do. I was like, this isn't that bad. There's only really a couple of things that I'm like, eh, I don't like it. Other than that, there's a fair amount of what I like to call wallpaper music. I just made that up. <laughs> I think I'm gonna borrow that phrase. That sounds really cool. <laughs> but there's some good stuff too. You know, we'll get into it as we get dig into the details. But yeah, overall, I kind of came to the same conclusion you did. There's some leeway to be found here, especially in the story of how things went down. And at the end of the day, they hired a guy who was young, who had had a lot of success with his creative freedom. And now they've said, well, get out of your creative freedom zone and get in our little box. Yeah. And he's like, hell no, man. I do what I do. Did you see the professional? Did you see LaFemme Nikita? This is what I do. And those are really good. Yeah. And like you said, I, I think certainly as he got older, he matured and, and he realized in hindsight what this was. This is one of those franchises where you've got to get into the box. You have to
5: yeah, get I into that box. I didn't include it in the quote, but he did actually say that he was still very proud of the fact that he was associated with and worked on the Bond franchise. And it was still a major part of his life, even if it didn't turn out. I'm glad he has that attitude. But this
0: really put me back in the same headspace I was when we did Never Say Never Again. Because there are people that hate that soundtrack because it is so unBondian, but as we went through it and listened to it and got the story behind, it, we found things in it. That we're like, this isn't as bad as everybody thinks. I mean, it's not great; it's not a standout, just like Goldeneye. But there are elements to enjoy. And We'll get to those. I am making the comparison though. I want Never Say Never. <laughs> I felt like Never Say Never Again and Goldeneye fit into the same bucket. In that they're easy targets, people tend to quickly and easily hate the scores, but there's a lot of cool things to be found in there, we'll we'll find them. Yeah,
5: you're making a very good point. So let's talk about the title song. Let's ramp it up a notch or two. As before, we were now in the stage of, we need a really high-profile artist for a Bond movie. You know, we'd already had Paul McCartney, so we can tick the Beatles box. So they decided the next people they really wanted was the Rolling Stones. So they approached the Rolling Stones about doing a Bond theme. And Mick and the boys promptly turned them down. ah, Which it's a shame, because I think I would have liked to hear a Rolling Stones attempt at a Bond movie. I don't know if you came across this, but
0: I heard that when reached for comment, Keith Richards said, I say, think you know, I mean.
5: Very good. So next up was a Swedish pop group called Ace of Bass who apparently were involved with the project and at one point actually cut a demo. say actually probably more, more than a demo. Before their record company, Arista Records, for some unknown reason, I've not been able to find out why, but they pulled out of the project. But the track is still out there. Uh, are we going to play a little bit of the original, original Gold Knight theme from Ace of Base? Can do. do you think of that
0: then jared i tell you what ace of bass was hot and on fire at this point in their career i remember this time period reaching out to them made total sense they had a european sound to them which is always kind of welcome in the james bond you know ever since we had duran duran Uh the living daylights uh aha yes so definitely a welcome sound and and when i found that little nugget on the internet was like wow this is an interesting unused track and i liked it and then you got to remember like Okay, what was it up against? Oh, yeah, Tina Turner. I'm so glad that they didn't use this. And, and that sounds so mean, but the Tina Turner's, you'll, I'm sure you'll regale us. It's just yeah, yeah. so good. But, yeah, this is good and, and interesting, and I love that it's a, a little nugget of story that not a lot of people find out about, and it was timely, but I'm glad they went the way they went.
5: Yeah, the lyrics are a bit on the nose. I mean, it's very much describing the movie to some extent, but not the movie plot. It's about being in the 90s and all that sort of stuff. It's a little bit on the nose. There is actually a version with slightly reworked lyrics, which was eventually released in December 2002 as both a single and an album track under the title Juvenile, where basically they just swapped out the words The Golden Eye for The Juvenile. So that's about it. But it's out there if you want to find it. As Jared has just played, the actual Golden Eye version is also out there on the interwebs. So we were 0-2 for theme songs. But some guy named Bono had basically spent his honeymoon at Ian Fleming's house in Jamaica, Golden Eye notice the link and he and his buddy the edge had decided that they would actually like to write a bond theme up at some point and they were riding pretty high as the writers of hold me thrill me kiss me kill me from batman forever which was storming up the charts i, I mean love also, that song. yeah i love it i actually watched batman forever last night um,
0: oh really i watched it just last week what are we coincidence!
5: and of course they had this whole youtube thing going for them so i think they were doing okay you know as singer-songwriters i think they were you know they were doing okay They also happened to live just down the road from the lady that Jared mentioned earlier, one uh, Tina Turner. Literally just lived down the road in the south of France and trundled down and said, hey, listen to this song that we've just written that could be a Bond theme. And she's like, I like that. I'd like to do it. So (laughs) it was produced by the same production team that had done the U2 Batman Forever track, Nelly Hooper, and arranged by Craig Armstrong. who, As I said, it also worked on the Batman Forever track. If you listen to the two back to back, which I did, There's a very similar vibe to the two tracks. Bono and the Edge's version of GoldenEye was recorded in an afternoon in London's Olympic Studios with 70-plus musicians, and then Tina Turner came in in the evening to put the final vocal track together. Personally, you just need those five opening notes. I'm done. I don't know why (laughs) I spend the whole day. (laughs) Yeah, that's quite the uh, the hook there. (laughs) So the single charted in November 1995 and in the U.S. peaked at 102. In the U.K., where we clearly have a lot more taste, it actually got to number seven.
0: I'm not even going to try to throw in my pride in my country. I'm disappointed in the United States of America right now. Uh, Oh, man. 102? You're telling me there's 101 better songs than GoldenEye? I don't
5: think so. (laughs) So having said that, let's listen to those opening five notes and get the groove on with Tina Turner and GoldenEye.
0: number 102 for that song come on america
5: get your game together <laughs> peaking at number 7 is two flipping like that personally is one of my top 3 uh, easily. easily easily top 3 bonds <laughs> yeah. like i say those five opening notes is just probably the best hmm. hook, opening hook yeah and of course it has to end with the screaming engine of the db5 on the end bit i wish they'd actually put that on the song but uh, oh yeah that was a cool transition yeah all right. Now that we've bungee jumped off a dam to introduce the movie, I guess it's time for me to get into the Aston Martin and see if I can pass the next girl in her illegal Ferrari as we get on a top of choosing the first three tracks. Not the only Xenia joke of the, should I say <laughs> pun? <laughs> should I say pun? I don't think they're jokes, they're puns. So I'm actually going to pick the Goldeneye Overture as my first pick. Here's what it says on the tin. I think it's a good representation of the themes that Eric Sarah used throughout the movie. And actually, I think probably one of my most enjoyable tracks, which is my, my number one pick from this soundtrack. Yeah, it's the one I would have gone with if I was hosting this one. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> I think everything you need to know about Eric Serra's approach to this score is in that one track. It has all those things we talked about earlier industrial sounds, incessant drums, synth, guitar, but it sort of pulls together, I think. Interesting, just before we went on air and started recording, we had a tweet from Carl at Listening to Film who said, going from the Goldeneye Overture to Ladies First encapsulates the issues I have with that score, meaning the, the Goldeneye score. I don't disagree with you, Carl. That transition from the end of the Goldeneye Overture to the car chase is just it's like fingers on a chalkboard it's yeah (laughs) which is why you'll find that second track is not on my list of three things
0: i don't think it's on anybody's list (laughs) i think that that track ladies first it's a little okay. It's a lot nails on a chalkboard, and I think that's the thing that everybody remembers about this soundtrack. I think if that track isn't in this movie, this whole entire soundtrack isn't nearly as hated. I may be wrong, but I think that track
5: is what I call I, the I yeah. Record. I think it, I think you're close. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We were talking earlier about easy targets, and Ladies First is definitely an easy target. Yeah, especially when it like you
0: listen to the soundtrack and you got Tina, and then the overture, and you are like, "I am digging this." Okay, I got the Goldeneye vibe, and then that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, even yeah. like to do it. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's a killer. But yeah. no, I love, uh, I love the overture. I think it's quite good.
5: Yep, yeah, cool. Number two, we're uh, moving on a bit in the movie. My second pick is track number eight from the, the soundtrack CD, and it is "Whispering Statues." Let's give that one a listen.
0: Also a track that I would have picked
5: if I was (laughs) leaving
0: this episode.
5: Okay, so yes, this is my trademark ominous undertones track. I have to get it in, one in every episode, as you know. But I actually really like those bass choral undertones in mm-hmm. the first half. And what I really like is the switch in the second half to the melodic solo piano focus of the last part of the track. I think it's very different from the rest of the track. But also that scene in the movie with the statue graveyard. It's one of the few places where the score actually really complements the on-screen action and the production design at that particular point in the story. For me, it's another one of those pieces that a cues that actually tells a story and goes along with the story as, as you're hearing it, which very little of the rest of this score does. But that one really evokes that scene in the movie for me. Oh, 100%.
0: I love the, what would be a good word, austere quality of it. Like it's so broken down and basic. It fits, like you said, with what's happening. Because the parts that happen in the former Soviet Union, the terrain, the things that are going around, and the set design is broken down and basic. Yeah, it, it, it's like that stripped-down Soviet Union look really matches the stripped-down, almost industrial music.
5: Something about it just fits nicely. Yeah. So, talking of fitting nicely, the next track does not. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other easy target track. This. this is the other easy target track, and one that one I alluded to earlier that basically things came to a head between eric sarah and the producers we're talking about a track on the cd called a pleasant drive in st petersburg track 10 and i'm not really including this one because i like it i think it's the exact opposite but we need to talk about it this was meant to be sarah's score for really the movie's central action set piece the tank chase so let's listen to it and then we'll talk a bit more about it so uh, this is eric sarah's a pleasant drive in st petersburg And it starts off reasonably well. There's a little bit of the Bond theme in there. Mm -hmm. Then we get the scratch, the Bond theme, and then it's just scratch, 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 on board, move on. Yeah, it does not fit with that part of the movie. And if you're thinking, hang on, that's not what I heard when I watched the movie, there's a reason for that. Because it isn't what you heard when you watched the movie. (laughs) In fact, the producers hated it so much that it was replaced by a more traditional orchestrated version from John Altman the orchestrator who was working with Eric Serra. And interesting, uh, John Burlingham mentions in the book that when he was approached, he was put in a really awkward position because technically Eric Serra was his boss and he was being asked to replace Eric Serra's music and could you compose something? So he actually went and asked Eric Serra if it was okay. And he said it was. So it wasn't as underhanded as maybe as some of the reports sort of give out that, you know, they just mm. threw Eric Serra's out and got this guy, you know, that they knew and had him write something. There was some collaboration going on. But uh, John Altman wrote and scored and recorded in just four days a complete new score for the central action tank chase theme. So let's give that one a whirl. So there's a couple of things with this one. Eric Saris was actually just the tank chase when uh, John Altman's actually started with them while they were still in the archive. So it's a slightly longer queue. It starts earlier in the movie. So the beginning of it is scoring slightly different action. You get that gap. And then as you said, you get the Bond theme kicking in when the tank busts through the wall and we're, we're off on the ride, which is great. I actually think Altman did an amazing job, not just writing, scoring it and recording it within four days, but actually I think he was placed in a very difficult position creatively that he needed to do something that drove the action he wanted to call back to the traditional bond this was the bond moment but it also had to be done in a way that didn't totally conflict with eric Serra's approach it had to fit within the overall sound of the movie right. so i think he did an absolutely brilliant job given those constraints and uh, i scored what i still think is one of with a couple of moments aside one of the best chases in the whole of the franchise and i think altman's score really helps drive that along so which one did you prefer I would pick the Altman version. If I could change one thing of it, though,
0: I, he does this like high triangle sound to build tension. Mm-hmm. It goes right up my spine. I'm just like, if you lost that triangle? <laughs> that triangle is constantly... Go back and listen to it, folks. You'll hear it, and you will never be able to unhear it. I, I wish that would go away, but aside from that, I mean, once I filter that out, it's wonderful. It, I mean, he clearly listened to some Perry and had some ideas of his own, and he did a wonderful job. The original one by Sarah... It's creative. To me, it sounds like something that would much better fit a video game
5: action scene
0: than a cinematic James Bond tank chase. right? But yeah, I got to go Altman. What are you thinking, man?
5: Yeah, I'm with you. I will say that's the one point in Sarah's school where he actually did do some callback to the Bond theme and you actually never got to hear it on screen because <laughs> they didn't use that track. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, like I said, I think the Altman one, it, it really makes the movie I think it really does make the the center action point of the movie. For those of you who've never seen the tank chase with Eric Serra's original score over it, it is on YouTube, and I've added a link to it at the end of this episode's YouTube playlist. So if you actually want to watch that scene with Eric's soundtrack on it, um, you can do so if you want to really, really do that. (laughs) (laughs) These are things we would do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Talking of doing weird things. My three picks has now gone to four picks and two versions of the theme song. So I'm already <laughs> six tracks in. I'm actually going to let Jared pick up the pieces. All right. I'll, I'll do the weird
0: things. So uh, everybody hold your breath. because Now it's time to get into some of my thigh lights on this soundtrack and see if I can squeeze any more good tracks out of it. <laughs> These additional Zenya puns do anything for you. <laughs> I love it when I can't get through my own jokes. <laughs> For my first pick, we're going to go to track six on this CD. It is called the Severnaya Suite. I like this track because I think it's a good blend of the romantic theme in this film. I think the romantic theme in this film is one of its stronger elements, and the Severnaya Suite kind of gives it to you in three different versions. It starts out in its very sweet version, and then it gets sort of a dark version, and at the end it comes into sort of almost an uplifting version, all using the same through line of the romantic theme. So with that in mind, let's listen to the Severnaya sweet.
5: So, uh, Alan, what do you think about that? I get what you mean about the romantic theme. I will say if I was actually going to showcase the romantic theme, I probably would have gone for That's What Keeps You Alone. That's What Keeps You Alone, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, if I hadn't, about that. If I hadn't put the tank chase piece in, I think I would have had That's What Keeps You Alone would have been my third pick. So mm-hmm. um, this is not a particular favorite of mine, but I do agree with you that I think the romantic through theme is one of the... Better parts of this soundtrack and has a bit more strength, certainly more to his strength than the action scenes, I think. So, yeah,
0: I think it almost has a berry vibe that theme does.
5: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so basically, yeah, I think you're right about the point you were trying to get across. I just think you chose the wrong track. (sighs) All right, let's move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I seriously and heavily considered that's what keeps you alone. I only picked the seven Nights of sweet because it had the three different flavors of it. Yeah. uh, yeah. Back to back to back. No, I see see that. Yeah. When I do hear the romantic theme from this movie, that's the scene I think of is, is the one on the beach. Absolutely. My next track is track. Number nine is called run, shoot and jump. Now that's a great title. You got got (laughs) All right. So I like this one because I think it's a good summary of the action music for this score. And it always puts me in mind of that fantastic battle of the double O's that happens at the end of the film. And man, That's one heck of a good battle. And let's listen to the music that goes with it.
5: on that's a pretty good track what do you think it is and you know what i really like about that track is the echoey effect of it because thinking about if you're running around and things are falling and you're hitting things within a parabolic dish like that Mm -hmm. the sounds going to reverb and echo around so it really gives it a good sense of place i think it gives the action that it scores with last track i said sarah was not that good at scoring with the action well, you just proved me wrong. <laughs> because I actually think that this track does fit the action. And it, it really does, as I said, give it that sense of place where the action is happening. I couldn't agree more. I
0: visited the satellite array at Arecibo in Puerto Rico. This is the track I listened to when I went to the areas that you're not supposed to go to. And the security guards were chasing me. So it's
5: excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we should we, you were doing the running and jumping and they were doing the shooting? Yeah, they were doing the shooting. <laughs> Yeah, I had to get in the fact that I've been
0: to Arecibo somewhere in here. So there you have it.
5: Nice. Let's move on to track number three. Just going back to that. The dish was damaged, wasn't it, recently in the weather, hurricanes or something? Oh, if it was, that is news to me. But yeah, you know, I thought I'd read somewhere it was because I'd love to visit it sometime too. I think it got damaged. So
0: they are quite proud of their James Bond connection. There, that dish was featured heavily in that and in the movie Contact. Yeah. Jody Foster. Okay. And they, if you go take the tour in their sort of main briefing room, they have the big movie posters up on either side of Contact and GoldenEye and they, they celebrate their James Bond. Good for them. Good for yeah. them. So, yeah, I totally dig it. It's not as clean and shiny as it looks in the movie.
5: I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> actually, one of the things I really like in the movie and what they, Derek Merlin's special effects team did was actually hanging the weeds and stuff on it. So when it comes out of the water and Bond and Natalia are running underneath it, it looks like it's come out of the water because it has got weeds and stuff.
0: They might not oh, have to do off. anything because I think those weeds are <laughs> oh, yeah, Okay, naturally...
5: <laughs> I was giving, it, giving them to you uh,
0: for, for this attention to detail. That actually, But produced. in the movie, it looks really like clean and white and in yeah, real yeah. life, it's a little more dingy. But you can imagine something that size just yeah. trying to clean it. It's
5: got to be insane. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
5: okay, on to your picture. third track, which where I believe you have some explaining to do. <laughs> I'll read directly from our script to our
0: audience here. Jared's pick number three. The Experience of Love, track 16, Let Me Explain Myself, dot, dot, dot. Okay. (laughs) Now, I know that nobody likes this song but me, okay? I I get it. I get it. And we actually joked about it when we took the rookie agents, now rogue agents, through Goldeneye. There was a joke about it, about how Eric Sarah probably just kind of like slipped this in at at the very end and like nobody noticed it. Okay, this is why I like it. It's a weird reason, but just humor me. Whenever I watch a movie especially a movie that i have a huge amount of anticipation for i want to soak up every nuance of it so normally i'm not the kind of guy who leaves through any credits anyway but when i see a movie that I had so much anticipation for in 1995 it actually happened twice because i was all hyped for batman forever and i was very hyped for golden eye and so once it's over and you're just sort of like thinking about it and basking on the experience of it no pun intended basking the experience of the film that you've just seen This music is playing on the end of GoldenEye. Credits are rolling. Mm -hmm. This song is playing. Is it a particularly wonderful song? No, but I can just vividly remember sitting there in the theater. Credits are rolling. This song is playing and just thinking, I have just seen one of the best James Bond movies I've ever seen in my life, period. And I just had this warm, wonderful, you know, we'd waited six years. What you don't want to do is wait six years and have them hit a bass hit or a double. They hit a gosh dang home run. And I'm just sitting there basking in what wonderful film I just saw. So this song made me feel good. And that's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> Sorry, was that Rounders
5: references? I don't get that. <laughs> I got to get new new Very far. Okay. Uh, I do British
0: movie. British that's movie. all right. Up so,
5: what you're basically telling me is that you spilled a thing of Coca-Cola in your lap at the end of the movie and you just sat there with a nice warm feeling. Is that right? <laughs> sure if you want to look at it that way let's I, I, i'm not going to pass comment on this track because it's not even wallpaper music it's just yeah it's nothing no, i'm going to want to hear more from you on the other side of this <laughs> <laughs> so i am interested to see once the rogue agents do their non-theme bond mm. songs episode where this one ranks
0: i can yeah. tell you who's going to score it highest <laughs> 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 it's gonna be me all right with no further ado let me get this song going for you guys You may have to suffer through it, but put yourself in my headspace. It's 1995. You just finished watching one of the best Bond movies you've ever seen. You're sitting there in the dark. The credits are rolling. You're thoroughly happy. Let's be happy. Okay.
5: I would say that opening, like little boss and overbeat, yeah, I like. And yes. then we start to get the keyboard, the instrumental, which is a bit Never Say Neverish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's a little generic. Okay, never, um, never Say Neverish, sure, but I'm okay. I can hang on. And then he starts to sing, and you, yeah, I'm gone. I'm out of it. <laughs> so I'm not to him as a vocalist. No, I'm hitting the uh, eject button on the DVD. <laughs> um,
0: oh man, see. I don't know what it is. The same thing happened to me in 1989, and I watched Batman, and I was just so floored by the experience. And then over the credits, and that one is a song by Prince called Scandalous. You know, I'm a big Prince fan. Yeah, I just, I love Scandalous, and it's not a a big, famous Prince song a lot of people talk about. But again, I had that same vibe. I'm just watching these credits roll over this wonderful experience I just had. And so
5: it worms its way into my heart. I cannot believe that you just compared Prince with (laughs) Ericsson.
0: No, I I could. I compared the moment. Ready? I compared the, I, I truly love Scandalous about a hundred times more than I love the experience of love. Oh, I packed myself in the corner. I'm going to stop talking.
5: Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. okay. Now that we've thoroughly embarrassed Jared and picked Again. Series, <laughs> six of the best. It's time for our bonus track. Now, one of the fun things about doing the research for this episode's playlist is that when you search for Golden Eye covers, you get all these bands who basically do covers of the music from the video game. Mm-hmm. Probably i more people do covers of music from the video game than do covers of the actual song. And I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But I will say that covers of soundtracks from the video game seem very popular with heavy metal bands for some reason. But I then found this little nugget where a heavy metal duo took a crack at the actual movie thing. I'm going to completely... But these ladies <laughs> all episode. <for> this. <laughs> this is uh, Manos Contouris, I think, and Natasha Jovanovo. Uh, oh Jovanov. Jovanov, yeah. Natasha Jovanov. Take it. Yeah. Okay. I didn't take as many goes as I thought it would. Okay, let's give it a listen. This is definitely a different version of Goldeneye. <laughs> I love that guitar solo in the middle.
0: <laughs> what do you think, Jared? I, I enjoyed that song more than I should have. <laughs> they just really that's went it. for it. Yeah. And one of the things about it is like when she gets to the, you'll never know the way, you know, the sort of that subtle part. And he's just like, in the background, but it's not too loud. It's not too overpowered. It's like a, a really good balance. I enjoy it. It's very, what's the word I'm looking for? It makes you want to drive fast. Like you yes, pop that in your right. car, you just want to drive fast like James Bond, you know? And it's high energy, and they put a lot into it. So, yeah, I'm going to give that one a thumbs up.
5: Yeah, a thumbs up to uh, Manos and Natasha. I'm not going to try the last names again. (laughs) Who I will say, I did some research, and I couldn't find anything about them. But pretty cool duo. Not bad at all. All right. So it seems that, uh, as I mentioned, people doing covers of the GoldenEye theme really fall into two uh, basic camps. The uh, solo singers testing is to see if they can match up to Tina Turner and hit those high notes. And I will say, no, you can't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Better luck next time. (laughs) Better luck next time. the aforementioned metal bands. If you want to hear how both camps tackle this classic Bond theme, I've put together the usual playlist of covers on YouTube. Just search for Bond Music, Six of the Best, or you can find it from the link we'll put in the show notes. As I mentioned earlier at the end of the playlist, you'll also find the link of the video of the Tank Chase with the original Eric Serra score. And that will
0: bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music Six the Best. If you've got a question or a comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to On Her Majesty's Secret podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you can leave a rating or review for the show, we would really appreciate that as well. Or if you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at yard sale artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and parlor. It's all at Yard Sale Artist,
5: Alan. For Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon on Tumblr and Instagram. It's at James Bond Lexicon. And I'd also like to just give a shout out to uh, our redesigned JamesBondLexicon.online website, which now includes a listing of the 28 different incarnations of 007, a Bond history timeline, plot summaries of all the novels and short stories and links to all previous six of the best episodes. Again, that's jamesbondlexicon.online, and there will be more content coming to the website soon.
0: Of the 28 incarnations, is one of them the time I wear the tuxedo t-shirt to when I, when I first <laughs> no, met you? No. Okay. So 29 then. It's oh, 29, God. yeah.
5: <laughs> that one gets a special double-ranking gold star. Mention. <laughs>
0: And as always, we will pass the baton to the White Rocket founder and OHMS pod co-host Van Allen Plexico to thank our generous patrons who support all of our White Rocket endeavors.
2: We have to thank... Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, as well as Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, Bart Lindsey, Bradley Blackman, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Brian Gray, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Traywick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Steve Trewick, and Richard Stevens. And then, of course, we got William Morgan, Johnny Caldwell, Emmanuel Seaman, W.D.E. Ritchie, Winston Body, Clinton Stewart, and Christopher Stewart. Hey, guys. Mickey B., Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom. A.U. you Calling up Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McKeon, David Evers, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, and Rich Reimer. Then we have Sarah Hines. Darris Benton, a couple of new folks, welcome aboard. Rob Morgan, Blake Heron, Hugh Anderson, Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Connoy, Don zederman Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Shane Bailey, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and CT Wayne. And finally, good old Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Mitch vigicana Nick Vigicana, not Mitch, Russell Souther, I've said these names a million times and I still mess them up, (laughs) Paul Bankson, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Kevin Mahan, Stephen White, see if you fast forward through this you miss all the fun, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavatchian, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle, I'm sure nobody fast-forwards through it. You want to hear all my wacky mispronunciations. Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph A. Miller, Mark Squire, Chris Brent Rumble, our one-time and anonymous donors... And We thank you all. We really appreciate you. We couldn't do it literally without you. Visit www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net to become a member and join the fun. Thank you, Van,
5: and thanks for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the 1995 GoldenEye soundtrack CD. And as always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl, whichever you prefer. But please support the Bond creative community. And we will be back with six of the best from Tomorrow Never Dies.
0: Now, before we go away, I got a question for you, Alan.
5: Oh, dear. Okay.
0: (laughs) You just thought you were done with this episode. Yeah. You have your choice, sir, of what I'm going to play as our outro music today. First choice, you can have the Eric (laughs) Serra experience of love (laughs) as we go through our end credits, if you'd like. Or... When I was a young man in 1995, just graduated high school, and I went and saw this movie over the fall. Came out in the fall. Fall. Yeah. No than fall. Yeah. yeah. So actually I actually was just starting college. I immediately ran out and bought the CD single, which had the Teenage Honor song on it. And it also had three other versions the AC mix, the Urban AC mix, and the Club Edit. You get to pick. Probably blind because you probably had never listened to those. Uh, no I have no idea. Let's
5: go with the Club Edit.
0: Love Edit Golden Eye for the tale of this episode. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>
2: experience I'll take. thank you miss money penny
0: that's all that's all and I've got our audios fixed and and
5: I can see you've actually got the script open I'm impressed readers on <laughs> script up all right that was worth the
0: wait well I get there if it <laughs> <laughs>
5: There you go. That's all you need. Okay, we (laughs) did. Right. (laughs) I don't know whether Gajar's going to put that in, actually, while we're listening to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It might make the outtakes. I don't know.